The Alien Autopsy, a 17-minute piece of cinematic history that took the UFO-seeking world by storm in the mid-90s, pushed as rock-solid evidence of the existence of creatures from another world. But was it the real deal, or was it all just a very well-produced hoax that managed to trick millions into thinking they were seeing a real alien operated on by government scientists? Either way, this story has it all. Aliens, government cover-up, sheep brains in jelly, and Jonathan Frakes. The aliens are back today, weirdos, so let's get weird. What's up, weirdos? You look like you could use a heap and help in a weird, so luckily for you, you have found yourself in the weirdoverse. I am your host, J.D. Ross, seeker of the unknown, teller of tales both strange and fantastic. And you are tuned into Weirdwide, your favorite digital cults. I hope you're all having a fantastic week. Uh, I'm having a pretty good week. Still getting used to the sun going down earlier. Uh, I don't really mind it, actually. Also love the fallback part of daylight savings. I still haven't changed my clocks, uh, so I keep accidentally tricking myself into thinking that it's a little bit later than it actually is, and then remembering the clock is wrong. So it feels like I've slowed time just a little bit. Little little mini time master going on right there. So by the time this episode hits, uh, we'll have gotten through Thanksgiving, hoping everyone had a great holiday, and now Christmas can begin to embrace us with her icy grip. We had grand plans here to get a Thanksgiving special out. Uh, actually had some discussions with the whole crew, uh, the ghost, Natalie, for a possible unhinged movies uh, episode that would have been perfect for the theme. But all of us have been extremely busy and we just could not bring it together. So that could be fun for next year. So maybe a nice little hint about what the holiday will bring for 2023. But that is later. We are here today to talk about one of the most infamous videos in all of the cryptid seeking world. More to chew on than most Bigfoot videos out there, and more in-depth than a standard UFO video, because this one deals with the idea of the third kind of encounter, instead of just the first or the second. For anyone that's uh, just hearing clicking sounds when I say different kinds, uh, that refers to the different uh, classification scales for UFO sightings and encounters that was put together by J. Allen Hynek. The first kind is you see a UFO, there's no evidence left behind, but you totally saw it. You definitely saw a UFO. The second kind is you see a UFO and it leaves some kind of evidence like burn marks in a field or a fucked up tree branch or something like that. And then the third kind is actual contact with a UFO and or the entities on board. So like close encounters of the third kind, that was actually what that was referring to. That wasn't just some nonsense that Steven Spielberg made up. Uh, it was based on a real thing. And then there's the fourth kind, which... Not in uh, Heineck's original classification. I'm pretty sure the movie The Fourth Kind just kind of made it up to turn it up to 11 on Close Encounters. But now The Fourth Kind relates to encounters where the subject is actually being abducted by aliens. All right, so let's hit play on this bitch and see what this tape is all about. Let's get into it. So the alien autopsy video has its origins in what is arguably the most famous case of UFO contact with humanity thus far, the Roswell crash. Now, at some point, I'm definitely going to have to do a full episode on Roswell, but uh, today we're just going to be kind of glossing over it a little bit. The Roswell crash occurred in July of 1947 at the height of the so-called flying disc craze. Throughout that summer, at least 800 
so-called flying discs were reported, and the nation was in a bit of a strange kind of panic fascination with the subject. Now, as we talked about a little bit on the Atomic Age episode, uh, this was shortly after the first and so far only nuclear bombs that were used in warfare. I always feel like I'm going to jinx things uh, when I mention those because like, there's there's a bit of a turnaround time for me uh, writing and recording these. And you never really know how insane the world is actually going to get in the meantime. So like, as I record this, those are the only two nuclear bombs that have been used. But anything could have happened between now and release day. Anyway, the nuclear link is interesting because it was made that summer. With some headlines reading, Flying Discs, Atom Product, A-Bomb Scientist Says, What? One scientist actually claimed people aren't actually seeing things, uh, but experiments in transmutation are responsible for them thinking they are. Fuck. The fuck were they really working on, man? Like, just that, like, think about all the stuff we know. We have no idea what they actually, like, haven't told us about, though. Some fucked up shit to think about, isn't it? Now, anyone who listens to this show knows that I am a seeker, and I tend to go with the more fantastical thought patterns, especially when it involves aliens. Uh, and I personally believe that the reason for the, sh the, the massive uptick in sightings uh, and interest in the idea of aliens in the years after the bombs fell uh, is for, among other reasons, that the advent of nukes is what got the attention of other civilizations from outer space. It is possible that we've been visited before, even throughout human history. Uh, you know, not not totally discounting the uh, ancient astronaut theory. I don't I don't really I don't know. I'm, something we'll have to explore at some point as well. But splitting the atom is what really took us from a mostly primitive classification to something to pay attention to in the galactic neighborhood. This is why you hear so many stories of like encounters with top brass, military and political leaders in the decades that followed. Now we are still primitive, of course, but now this planet of highly aggressive monkeys has a big bada boom and seem to be moving closer and closer to expanding beyond our pitiful little planet. So of course there was an increase in activity in the skies above us. We were being surveyed while the highest elements in our governments made deals with these beings that were kept hidden from the public. And in the midst of it all came the crash in the New Mexico desert. Occurring near a ranch in Corona, New Mexico, several of the people involved have reported that there was indeed a crashed, crashed spaceship, but also three small alien creatures. Two of the aliens were dead and one was still alive, according to reports. There was also apparently a good amount of strange debris that was strewn about. Almost everyone involved in the incident recalls being threatened by authority figures to keep quiet about what they've seen. Now, despite going into full cover-up mode, the Air Force's 509th Operations Group released a press statement verifying that they ha there had been a crash disc and they were in possession of it, stating... The rumors regarding the flying disc became reality yesterday when the intelligence office of the 509th Bomb Group of the 8th Air Force, Roswell Army Airfield, was fortunate enough to gain possession of a disc through the cooperation of one of the local ranchers and the sheriff's office of Sheriff's County. The flying object landed on a ranch near Roswell sometime last week. Not having phone facilities, the rancher stored the disc until such time that he was able to contact the sheriff's office, who in turn notified Major Jesse A. Marcel of the 509th Bomb Group Intelligence Office. Action was immediately taken, and the disc was picked up at the rancher's home. It was inspected at the Roswell Army Airfield, and subsequently loaned by Major Marcel to higher headquarters. Now, like I said, even after that, they went into full cover-up mode, and the official explanation they went with was, nah fam, just a weather balloon. 
I don't know why, but the weather balloon thing has uh, it's kind of all the like that explanation has kind of always pissed me off. It just seems like they could have made up better nonsense for the cover up. That's just me. Now, because the military went into full on cover up mode. The Roswell story kind of faded into obscurity with the rest of the reports that summer. Uh, it seemed that most people took the weather balloon thing as fact until about the 70s when Jesse Marcel, the one that was mentioned in that news brief, uh, who had been at the crash site and had handled materials from there, was interviewed by the UFO researcher Stanton Friedman. The interview with Marcel would lead to massive renewed interest in the public consciousness, and afterward, a series of books, movies, TV shows, everything in between would cement Roswell's status in the UFO zeitgeist forever, leading to many a conspiracy theory surrounding the events on that strange day in New Mexico. All right, so now that... Okay, so everyone watching on YouTube can see, but for everyone who's just listening, there is now a tiny alien just sitting in the studio with me. Greetings, JD. Okay, uh, w w what do you want? Take me to your leader. Oh, um, I, uh... Nah, I'm just fucking with you. I know you don't know anybody. Dude, I know people. So I've been listening to your show, and it isn't bad for... Evolved monkey creature to me, so I thought I'd come hang out. Okay, cool. So you just want to hang out, kind of be like a sidekick kind of deal? Scott. Well, I mean, I don't think it'll take long for everyone at home to realize that I'm the true star of Weird Life, but I'm, I'm sure they like you too. All right, cool. So I've got a little sidekick now, so that's neat. Now get back to the story, monkey man. You were just finishing telling them about Roswell. Okay, so we just talked about how the 70s had a big boom in the legend that was to become Roswell, which led to it being one of the centerpieces in all manner of UFO conspiracy theory. Now let's fast forward a bit to the mid-90s. Enter a guy named Ray Santilli, who claimed to be in possession of bizarre footage related to the Roswell crash. Now let's get some background on Santilli, because he isn't the type of guy that you'd imagine to be at the center of something like this. Ray Santilli was born in London in 1958 and began working as a session musician in the mid-70s and eventually would go on to the recording and distribution side of music. Uh, he started several entertainment companies uh, and at one point even recorded a version of the Birdie song by the band The Tweets. The Birdie song, also known as the Chicken Dance, you know, the... That fucking song. Also, I'd never heard of the tweets prior to doing research for this uh, this topic. Uh, but what is it with that band and birds? Like the tweets recording the chicken dance. Y'all really leaned into that gimmick. Fucking weird. Birds aren't even real, so it's a stupid gimmick to begin with. Santilli also founded Music Broadcasting Services Limited, which was a small label that ended up handling the Disney audio soundtrack catalog for the UK. Uh, so he was kind of a big player in the music scene. So here's Ray. Here's Ray Santilli. He's rocking it out in the the UK music scene. May not be like a massive household name, but he's doing pretty well for himself. Then all of a sudden in 1995, Ray Santilli comes out with a film that he claims to be 100% authentic. He claims that the film is actual footage of a real life autopsy of an extraterrestrial being shot in the 1940s. 
Footage is 17 minutes of black and white uh, and what appears to be an alien creature laying on an operating table with surgeons in full hazmat suits, studying, cutting open the creature. The creature's head is enlarged as well as the eyes, and it has a big gash on its one leg. But how did a mid-level record producer come into contact with such a supposed smoking gun in the realm of UFOs and aliens? Well, Santilli originally claimed that the footage was sold to him by a, re by a retired Air Force cameraman who had literally had these rolls of film from the event just chilling in boxes in his garage for decades before deciding to allow someone to release it to the public. That was the story they went with. But release it, they did. In 1995, Santilli released the footage as the alien autopsy tape. Now, this is kind of the perfect time for the tape to have been released, as there was a massive resurgence in the interest of all things aliens and UFOs that permeated throughout the 1990s. Uh, the early end of the decade saw a lot of television coverage on the topic. Paranormal investigative shows like Sightings were starting to make their mark. Uh, sightings hit in 1991 and focused on all manner of high strangeness, ghosts, demons, and of course, UFOs and aliens. They had a very famous special that was released called the UFO Report, which was focused specifically on the topic. Not to mention uh, tabloids like Weekly World News were releasing insane stories about then-President uh, Bill Clinton getting into fistfights with aliens, Hillary adopting an alien baby, Bigfoot battling aliens, and of course, let us never forget, Bat Boy. Does anyone else like really miss Weekly World News? Like just the most unhinged nonsense that a group of delightful weirdos could cobble together and just splayed out next to People in Time magazine at the grocery store checkout. That's the good old days right there. So all this is going on, and then the X-Files is unleashed, which followed FBI agents Mulder and Scully hunting down everything weird under the sun, with Mulder being particularly interested in proving the existence of aliens. While Scully remained the rational skeptic who challenged everything strange with, with a scientific and logical perspective. The pairing was wonderfully executed uh, as it kind of sort of represented the perfect dichotomy of both sides of the discussion. You know, those of us who were fully on the side of aliens related more to Mulder, obviously, while having the most fantastical ideas kept kind of in check by Scully. The skeptics related to Scully, but were allowed to have their perception of reality challenged a bit by Mulder. It's fucking beautiful. Pop culture would continue on this trend throughout the decade with massive box office hits like Independence Day, Men in Black, The Faculty, all continuing to stir up the concept of aliens in the public mindset. Santilli dropped this footage right smack dab in the middle of it all. Now, not surprisingly, it didn't take long for Fox Entertainment Network to grab a hold of it, and they wasted zero time in putting a documentary together that same year. This is where the story would go global. Fox released the doc as Alien Autopsy, Fact or Fiction. And it was hosted by uh, Jonathan Frakes. I love Jonathan Frakes. It's a total side note on that. The success of this doc would lead to a multi-season show called Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction, that uh, would show five different stories per episode. Some were real and some were just made up bullshit. And Jonathan Frakes would host the would host it from you know beginning in season two. Uh, James Brolin hosted the first season. No offense to Brolin. Uh, but this is Frakes' show. Uh, Frakes was so much, so much better of a fit for it, and I'm really surprised he wasn't uh, the first pick for it after Alien Autopsy because he did great in the documentary too. 
Jonathan Frakes was and is best known for his role as Commander Will Riker on Star Trek The Next Generation. So it was pretty cool to have someone with sci-fi credentials of that nature host the documentary talking about potential existence of aliens. Alien Autopsy Fact or Fiction was a massive success. Uh, it was said that it sparked a debate not lavished on any home movie since the Zabruder film. Uh, the Zabruder film being the footage of the money shot of the JFK assassination. With the early advent of the internet, various weirdos, nerds, and seekers of truth could study the footage with an intensity not previously available to the public. Various experts in different fields were brought in for the documentary, uh, as well as people who claimed to have been close to the Roswell crash, uh, many bringing supporting evidence that the film was authentic. An expert on the film analyzed the footage looking for evidence that it was shot using the technology of the mid-1940s, which he concluded that it had been. It was something about like the type of the type of film that was used throughout the decades. He was able to like pin the like that film down to like within a few years, like within three years of 1947. So claiming that it could have theoretically the film being used could be authentic. Legendary special effects artist Stan Winston was also brought in to analyze the footage with his team. Winston, who had been the artist behind a crazy amount of sci-fi icons, the Terminator, the Xenomorphs and Aliens, the Predator, Jurassic Park, among many others, was very impressed with what he saw. Winston watched as the alien was dis dissected and noted with his team that not only was it realistic looking, but that he wasn't actually sure how their special effects studio could replicate what they were seeing. He's quoted as saying, if that footage is fake, the artist who created it would have a job here in a second. A forensic pathologist was also brought in as well. This I can't remember his name, but he actually uh, had previously also worked on the JFK assassination. So he was no stranger to infamous footage. He put forth several potential explanations. Uh, he did believe that what he was seeing was real, but wasn't completely convinced that what he was looking at was necessarily extraterrestrial. He did think it was possible they were looking at a human woman, uh, possibly deformed through a rare genetic disease, or even possibly mutated from exposure to radiation, as Roswell wasn't far from the areas where the military had conducted the nuclear tests. They love the deserts for that shit. Like I said before, it was a massive success. So it would it was run three separate times. Each time it got higher ratings. This was a time before streaming and everything was on demand like it is now. So back then, like a TV special like that was an event. Because if you forgot to tape it, literally with a fucking actual cassette tape, you were shit out of luck unless they ran it again. You missed it, bro. Sorry. However... Success does not necessarily equal authenticity. Massive success? Yes. Real? Not so sure. Well, it took about a decade for more of the truth to be revealed. And unfortunately, it is a bit of a bummer. In 2006, Ray Santilli and his co-producer, Gary Shufield, did a special with Eamon Holmes called Eamon Investigates Alien Autopsy. The fucking title just goes with so much. It really works. Like... It's just, who doesn't want to watch that? Blank, blank, anything. Alien autopsy, right? In this follow-up to the original documentary, the pair did admit the footage had, in fact, been fabricated. But holding on to authenticity and keeping a small, glowing beacon of hope for all the nerds and weirdos that had held the footage in such high regard, they claimed that while, yes, it had been fabricated, it was based on footage that they had seen of a real alien autopsy. 
According to Santilli and Shufield, they were offered the footage in 1992, and they saw it at that point. However, they didn't have the cash on hand to buy it at that particular moment in time. So they set out to raise. So they set out to raise the money to buy it. By the time they had the money, much of the footage had deteriorated from humidity and heat, and was almost completely unusable. So the footage we saw was claimed to be a reconstruction of the original video. Now they did claim that there were a few original frames in it, but wouldn't say which ones. Kind of like taking a firing squad approach to it. No one knows which bullet is the blank. So it's like you are seeing that what they, according to them, that you are seeing a real, real footage. But we can't say which one is the real, which part's the fake. So with the footage being a reconstruction, they were, of course, asked, how do they do it? Well, according to Santilli, the set for the film was put together in a living room in an empty flat in Rochester Square in London. Remember, he's British, so it's, the apartments are flats out there. An artist and sculptor named John Humphreys was hired to build two alien dummies for the film. Construction took about three weeks, and this part is gnarly as fuck. So to make the insides look realistic on film, Humphreys used sheep brains that had been set in raspberry jelly along with chicken entrails and knuckle joints. Oh, dude, that's got to be that. That has to be the weirdest part of being a butcher. It's like all the fucking weird motherfuckers that come in. I'm betting they're always claiming to be in the entertainment industry and just asking for all manner of fucked up leftovers. I mean, I guess it's an easy sale. I mean, you think the butcher would make a few bucks off of it at least. I bet that set stank. I'm sure the doc, I'm sure the actors were so glad they were wearing hazmat suits because I bet you that shit was rank. Humphreys also apparently played the role of the head examiner in the film, which allowed him to control the effects in real time as they film. Pretty smart. Pretty smart. Okay. It took two shoots to get the footage. Uh, so they ended up using up both bodies. After they wrapped, they cut this part is so funny to me. They they cut up the dummies and went around London dumping random parts in different dumpsters throughout the city. I love that detail because it's just so meticulous and it puts this like serious with them just like with this seriously sus behavior. I fucking love it. Now, at one point, and it was even covered in the original documentary, the production team had hired a private investigator named William Deere to track down the cameraman who is claimed to have been the one that provided the footage. Now, a guy was found. Right. And they interviewed for the film, but he refused to go on camera or to give his real identity. Uh, but even that ended up being a bit of a bust as Santilli claimed that uh, they just kind of grabbed a random homeless guy off the street and have him play the part. That'd be a fun day for that guy, though, because, you know, they gave him a little bit of money, probably got a free lunch out of it. And then all he had to do was like, yeah, I recorded an alien getting cut up one time, gave it to this English guy. Fun day for that guy. I bet you had a good time. So by and large, the footage is considered to be fake. While it was long debated in digital forums about its authenticity, the mainstream consensus is that it had been fake even as early as about a year later, and then more so put to bed by Santilli admitting it wasn't real in 2006. But let's suspend reality for a bit. Let's play in the side of the fantastical just for a minute. Let's say it was legit footage of an alien autopsy. Let's say we've all seen real footage of a dead alien creature from another world being dissected on our TV screens. If true, it is, a big, it is a big step towards exposure and the big reveal that I personally believe is coming. Let's start with his confession. I mean, what does he actually gain from saying it was fake? 
if you stick to the original story, you can stretch it out, perhaps create new footage that adds to the mythology of it all. Like, oh, new found footage, found this, you know. But once the veil is lifted, nobody gives a shit, you know. It's like, it's fake. Eh, I don't care. I don't give a fuck. But what if he was made to confess? What if Ray Santilli was visited by the men in black? That's one day uh, we're definitely going to be covering the men in black on this show for sure. Stay tuned for that. I'm not sure when, but that's definitely got, it's got to happen. It's got to happen, right? Is it possible that he had a visit from these nefarious government figures and was told to say it was bullshit? It's a possibility. Why so much longer after the fact? Because the government loves playing mental chess with things like this. It benefits them to allow a certain amount of chaos to fester and spread within the conspiracy theory communities. They can spin narratives, create question, distract from other things. It's a big one. And then suddenly they can redirect. You know, a decade later, all of a sudden, that wild ass alien conspiracy video you saw was just a red herring. Or was it? See, now you're in the gaslighting cycle. We don't know. So like many tales of this nature, we will have to leave this with a discerning question mark at the end. We may have bared witness to something fantastic that we should never have seen. Or maybe we've seen the result of one of the greatest creative hoaxes of all time. A performance art piece that captivated the world. What do you think? Well, thanks for getting weird with me. Say goodnight, Larry. Let me know if you think the alien autopsy video was real or fake. Hit me up at weirdwidepodcast at gmail.com. Maybe you have a better theory than, than I do. Maybe uh, your crazy uncle told you something that he claimed to know about it. Uh, maybe you think it was fake and you want to tell me why. Let me know. You can also hit me up in the DMs on Insta and TikTok. I'm on both of those as Dudist Weirdo. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to leave a comment. Follow me here as well. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple, be sure to leave me a five-star review. And tell your friends. Tell your friends to come join this digital cult, the digital cult known as Weird Wide. I'm serving up all the Kool-Aid here. I love you all. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for more. And until then, keep it weird. Keep it weird.